Well, I would like to say thank you to everybody that was praying for me. You can't imagine what a war <laughs> I have been putting up with. <laughs> and it's because of the fact that people are praying. And the devil doesn't like that. I know he doesn't. But I really appreciate it very, very much. And I want to say thank you to the church for being such a gracious, wonderful church. We've got a great pastor. I don't know what he would be like after being 40 years, as much as he has skills now at the age that he is now. The Lord has just really blessed him. And uh, I think he's blessed the whole church. And uh, I think Brother Andrew has been a tremendous blessing too. And uh, he does a, a super job around here and very encouraging. And he's always down to earth and ready to help anybody. And I appreciate that. Well, I've used up five minutes now. <laughs> uh, I really do need your prayers. I, I do have a little bit of paperwork with me here. But somehow, someway, earlier, my computer went and destroyed everything I was going to bring tonight. So, And I don't have a good enough recall to preach what I was going to bring. So we're just going to find out what God's going to do. Like my brother said, I have a message tonight that I'm going to have Jesus preach. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to read it, but I'm going to ask him to interpret it. Okay, and uh, the reason I say that is because I'm finding in my older age that the Bible does a tremendous job of interpreting itself. And when it does that, I don't doubt one bit that it's right. And whatever else somebody else might get out of it, that's to me is what's right. So anyhow, I better pray and we get on it. Lord, I do ask you tonight for your blessing. And Lord, let it be you. I've been all week thinking and studying and you keep telling me all the time, it's you that is doing the job. What we need to do is find out what it is and where it is you want us to go and do. And we just ask you tonight to bless the service. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity, and I'm very grateful for it. And yet at the same time, Lord, the older I get, the more inadequate I feel. But I just ask you, just do it one more time, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I have a verse of Scripture, and I consider it a very important verse of Scripture, and it's one that I'm going to let Jesus interpret tonight. I'll read the text, and then I'll let Him do the preaching, okay? We'll let Him interpret it. And that verse, if you would like to turn there, and I'm not going to ask you to stand because it is about this one verse tonight, and that is in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. It is amazing the number of verses and chapters that I come across that I had preconceived notions what they meant. And it amazes me when I study the Bible of how my preconceived notions are so far from the truth. And uh, yet at the same time, God works through us. And I try to let it be the Holy Spirit that's doing it. But, you know, I also will take time and look what others may say. 
as well to make sure that I'm not missing the mark too far. But I do know that we need the Lord. Now, in this portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, He that spareth not his own son, but delivereth him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, the Lord Jesus clearly puts his hand upon this verse and interprets it in several different places and locations. And it's been a blessing to me because of the fact that it, that it isn't, when we're preaching, we should be preaching to edify. We should be preaching for godliness and be challenging people to grow and so forth. But I do think sometimes we just need to have the Bible expounded a little bit and just refresh ourselves in some things maybe that we didn't catch. Now, the Lord here, and I'm talking about Jesus, will start in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 31 and 32. We find He says here, For He taught His disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill Him. And after that He is killed, He shall rise the third day, but they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. And again, it said here that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And when we start looking here in this verse, we're finding out when it says delivered. I used to use the treasure scripture knowledge a lot, cross-reference. And it never, ever really accomplished too much for me. I, I guess I wasn't on the same wavelength as whoever it was that did treasure scripture knowledge. So what I did is I just take a dictionary and start defining words. And I found that's one of the best ways. But here, when it says that he spared not his son, and, and then it goes on and say, but he delivered him up. And many times we're thinking of the fact that he delivered him up onto the cross. But what it's talking about, according to Jesus, if you'll notice what he says about deliverance. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered, what? Into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. That's what he was delivered into was the hands of men. We think of him being delivered up onto the cross, but he delivered him in the hands of men. And then the men placed him on the cross. And there is a big difference in that. But anyway, he said, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And then after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and we're afraid to ask him. Then, in, then we go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 44 and verse 45. Let these things sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying. And it was hid from them that they perceived. Uh, they perceived it not. And they feared to ask him of that saying. 
and again the third time. And I guess when you get it three times, it's got to be pretty accurate. And so he says in Luke 18.31, Then he took unto him the twelve, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things are written, as I said here, by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. And so it says here, the Son of Man shall be uh, accomplished, yes, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And, And the third day he shall rise again, and they understood none of these things, And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. You know, I took from this in my own personal life, and it it caused me to think about something. And it really helps you to get the perspective right. I start reading some things, and I find out in reading it, I'll ask the question, was God inspiring that, or was it Satan? doing that and I started looking closer in the Bible and uh, just like Judas Iscariot it was the devil that entered into Judas Iscariot is why he went uh, to the Jews to betray Christ and then again it was the devil that entered into him when he went and kissed the Lord and turned him over at that point He was betraying Christ. But who was it? Who was it inspiring him? It was the devil. And I'll tell you something. When the devil entered into Judas and he betrayed Christ, that was the devil betraying Christ. I mean, if you really look at it. And that's the way I was taking it as I was studying through this is the fact that, that the devil is working in people. The devil is a master. You know he was the one responsible to get what we'll say the first man, Adam, to commit sin. And when he did, that made him the God of this world. I'm talking about made the devil the God of this world when he did that. Because everything that God put into the hands of man when the devil got Adam to sin, they become into the hands of the devil. And the devil is the God of this world. And I'll tell you something. He's pretty powerful, but he's not, he's not to be seen. He is the most deceitful rascal you will ever see. He'll use your wife to get you to do something that he's wanting you to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is what he was doing to Jesus. The devil was using things to get Jesus to sin, to transgress, but to get lose heart, give up. I mean, Jesus is God. He's not going to do that. But what he did do, if he couldn't get him to do that, he used his power and influence to get the Jews to get Jesus. Finding guilty... And put him on the cross. If I would trace that down, you know who I think put Jesus on the cross? I think the devil did. I really do. And I think he did it because he wanted to kill the heir and take the inheritance. 
In other words, he was wanting to steal from God and take away the glory that belongs to Christ. And you know what is really amazing to me as I read this here? It's teaching us, or it seemed to me that's what it's doing. It's teaching us that God did not inspire the sinners. But He did not keep His Son, or I should say deliver Him in the hands of His Son. He did not keep His Son from all of the harm and the terrible things that they did to Jesus. God permitted that. God allowed that to happen. God, in His graciousness, when they hung Him on the cross and it was dark for three hours, He had to retreat to turn Him over to Satan. Because it took that for God, or for I should say the Lord Jesus, in His resurrection, to come forth and abolish death. That means He nullified it. He didn't kill anything. But what He did do is He destroyed the ruling power. Because when He was raised from the dead, then it says in Romans 6, death had no more dominion over Him. And it was over Him, and I think of the Lord Jesus, I think of the church, the body of Christ. You know, I believe, personally, the church is a real place of refuge. We are a body. I'm a nut when it comes to church, because I'm local church through and through, okay? But we're a team, we're a body, we're, we're His arms, His feet, His legs, His eyes. We do the work that the resurrected Lord Jesus is wanting us to do. You know, I found something this week, and and you've probably already seen it too, but I'm going to have you turn there with me if you would. This is in the book of Acts, chapter 26. And, I mean, it didn't dawn on me, it should have, but but it just dawned on me the other day, and and that's why I like, you know, here I'm going to be turning 80 years old another month or so. And... I can still find things like my phone is on. <laughs> All I have to do is hear that bubble and it's over. Come on. Taking your time up now. Oh, come on. Get off. <laughs> there. Better shut Whatever. I guess it's alright. I'll forget where I'm at here. In 26, this is, this is where... Uh, Paul is on the road to Damascus. And, it, and what, what happened here is Jesus said to him, he, and Paul was saying in verse 15, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And then he said something that was really hit me. I mean, just really, and it blesses me is what it does, because it says, he says, But rise, stand upon thy feet, For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, and this is what he said, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things and so forth. But I want to back up to it. He said, for this cause have I appeared unto thee, or for this purpose, is to make thee a minister. He didn't say, I want you to be a minister. He said, I want to, he didn't say I want. He says, I, for this purpose, to make thee, a minister, and a witness. I like that. Because when Christ raised from the dead, 
I mean, he came up out of that grave. It was above all power and principality. He become the authority. I think of the Great Commission, and we think about go ye into all the world. But the greatest part of the Great, the great Commission is Jesus saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. If you and I have any kind of difficulty, there is where our life is. It's in Christ. And He is our life. I mean, in the sense that, that anything that comes along, if we need to be succored or comforted or strengthened, there is our strength. You know, I've been studying Second uh, Timothy. I've been stay, I could probably stay that for two weeks. But I'm really realizing what a, what a, a powerful God we have. Because the Apostle Paul, he's been serving the Lord for years. And he's writing to Timothy. But he was writing to Timothy because of the tears that he was having. And the tears that Timothy was having was the fact that he knew that Paul, after all these years, ended up, because of some coppersmith opposing his words, that he ended up losing a number, and he names them who they are, of people that were not just lay people in the church, but they were co-workers with him for years. And whoever it was in that blacksmith, he, he got him off onto some rabbit thing. You know, I, I was reading in there in the Bible a little bit about, and I shouldn't be chasing rabbits, but, but I was reading a little bit in the Bible about these genealogies. And you don't want to get hung up on these genealogies. It gets people speculating instead of something solid. They start imagining things. And I think it's one of the reasons that it's mentioned there with Paul is because Paul doesn't want people getting caught up in things that cause questions or divisions or problems. He, wa he wants people to be edified. He wants us to strengthen one another. He wants us to preach on godliness. And, and when I see these things and these good old saints in the Bible having that kind of problem, here they are at the end of their ministry. I, I can see why Paul, I mean why Timothy, because he picked up Timothy, I think it was in Acts 16. And when he picked up Timothy, that was, his, that was a real blessing to him. He loved Timothy probably more than anyone. And I think it's because Timothy knew more about Paul than anybody else knew about Paul. And you can tell from the writing how it affected Timothy in such a negative way that Paul is now here at the very end of his life about to have his head cut off and he has so many people that have abandoned him. He's alone. You know, you think of it and I think Christ, Christ was alone when he come to the cross too. And you can see that sufferings that Christ has gone through is so unbearable. You wonder how did God the Father permit him to suffer those things? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons is so people could be saved. But there's another reason also. It's so that he can take those faithful servants of God who are having trouble. He will know firsthand experience how to succor and meet their needs. And what a blessing it is to have a God that's that, that's that genuine and real and and really for us. But, but anyway, uh, I want to turn now. I think I got that one covered. Therefore, according to the interpretation then of Acts 32, this is the way it should be read. 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up into the hands of men who crucified him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And what a blessing it is to me to think that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And when he did, he's head over all things. And God made him the head of the church. And he filleth all in all, puts us together, and we have the privilege of being the body of Jesus Christ. You know, we do a lot of individualism, there's no doubt about that, but you know, sometimes I think we really need to be with each other. And I think this church, through prayer, through concern, and through helping one another, I think this church has got to be one of the best ones around. But you know something? It's just like the Apostle Paul. Anything can happen tomorrow. It can change the whole picture. And I'm telling you, I know firsthand, 46 years, when, you, when you're around that long, you will experience about everything there is to experience. But I'll tell you something else too. When you're around that long, you'll have to get deeper into the Word because of the fact you need to grow and so do the people. And if we don't do that, and we just start having what we call Kentucky Fried Chicken drive through or McDonald's drive through little leftovers, that's one thing I, I've always tried not to do, but I, sometimes you get a message you love so much you can't quit. You've got to preach it again. You know? I try not to preach more than once, but that was just a, a hang-up. You know? Probably I'd have been smarter if I went back and... <laughs> Deepened it a little bit, used the same thing again, but oh well, you don't care about that. <laughs> but God is good. I'm going to go over now to the book of 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to look at chapter 11. And here we go again. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, gives us a list of his sufferings. I think of what Christ went through. The, the, I, can't, I just can't imagine all that he went through. I can see why God would have to abandon him and leave him there on the cross and let it be dark for those few hours that it was. It's because of the fact he was turned over to Satan's... Because Satan, whether we like it or not, he has the power of death until Christ come along and abolished his power. We, we know sin is still here, but the ruling power, it's like the children of Israel when they left the bondage in Egypt and they got out there before the, before the Red Sea and who was it behind them? Pharaoh and his. Now what are we going to do? And you know what the Apostle Paul would say? Go forward. That's what he'd say. That's what he told Timothy. He said, take those words that you have heard me speak among Many witnesses. What he's saying is, you didn't hear about me. He said, you heard of me while I was preaching. You were in the crowd. Take those things and catch other men that are solid in the faith and teach them to do the same thing. Take those words and spread them. And boy, do we need that. But anyway, here's Paul. He says, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. 
Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And I missed a few meals. Oh, that's horrible, isn't it? (laughs) I missed a little sleep last night. Well, that's horrible, isn't it? But boy, why would you like to go through that? But you know, there may be a day soon that may be what our pastor will go through. Or maybe some Christian, or maybe, maybe even Brother Andrew. It might be that we may have some times, and it's just scary in one way and another. The apostle, I didn't get it turned off, did I? <laughs> I'm going to take a minute and do that. I just despise that when it does that. There, I got it. Bip. <laughs> I'll throw you away. How's that? <laughs> That's what I was supposed to do anyway to begin with. <laughs> oh my. But anyhow, we find him, all these, all these things in his journey, being shipwrecked, stoned, and, and he's beaten uh, 40 stripes. And he did that, had that happen to him five times. But do you know why Paul was able to do all that? Because Jesus Christ well, I should say Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ in His earthly ministry. Christ Jesus in His heavenly ministry. And it's in Christ Jesus is where our life is. It's in that heavenly Jesus is where our life is. And that's because He's head of the church. And I'll tell you something. He ministers to us even while we're here. Maybe even tonight He might be ministering to somebody in great need. But He, he ministers... And so Paul has gone through all this, and yet he's victor in all of these things. He says, In journeys, oft in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by by, uh, heathen, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea. Boy, oh boy, he discovers it all, doesn't he? He had trouble everywhere he went. My car won't start. Boy, that's a lot of trouble. But in weariness, in painfulness, in watching, and getting ready to preach at night, and you don't have any notes. <laughs> but, but I did scrap something together and put, put a little something on the plate. But, but you know something? God is able. And my brother keeps reminding me that. He, he's saying, let the Lord preach. Don't you do it. Let the Lord preach, you know. So tonight, what we found out is what God did in delivering His Son. He delivered Him up into the hands of sinners and the sinners did all kinds of horrible things to him but you know what god didn't god didn't make that happen but god allowed it to happen and there's a big difference you know what i mean and in your concept of god and ministry and everything because in some ways let me tell you this he teaches us i think it's in second peter 2 I think it's that, that's where it's at. I'll just turn over right quick. He teaches us over there that very same that very same principle that what he's going through, that's exactly what we are going to be going through. And God's going to let that happen to us. But you know, once he's done, God glorified him. And he says if we suffer with him, he'll glorify us also. And I tell you, it's Jesus that is able to meet our needs. And if we don't recognize... That thing is still not off. 
That's my wife's medicine time. Oh. <laughs> Get they won't ask me to preach no more. <laughs> I always give people cornbread and beans, you know. But anyhow, now I did forget where I am. But anyhow, the, the suffering that Jesus, it is for us to learn that we ourselves, and this, this is it here, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to kings as supreme or governors unto them. But he goes on here. He says, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the froward. That's the ones that resist. And he says, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if ye, when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And that's what Jesus did. He put his confidence in God the Father to deliver him in his own time, in his own way. And even when he's on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what he's saying? Be my help, will you? Will you be my help? And, and he's crying out. Why is that? Because the battle is going between God, I should say between Jesus and the devil. That's where the battle is. And in the resurrection, Jesus won that battle and the devil lost his ability to have power, ruling power. And you know what it is? It's like cancer is put in remission. It means the cancer is still there. But the ruling power of cancer is abolished. It's gone. A higher power. Your medicine is taking care of it. And Jesus Christ becomes the higher power in the resurrection. And He defeated the devil. And the devil no longer has that kind of power. Now He's still there. Sin is still there. But we, we have the ability to say no to the devil. Now we don't always do it. But there is no temptation taken you, but such is common with man. And God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that you can bear it. God is there making the way for us. But anyway, he goes through all this. And so he says, if you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. And what did he do? He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but he commended himself to him that judgeth righteously. He's going to let God deliver him. And that goes on. That same subject just keeps going on through chapter 3 through chapter 4. It's the same subject. And that is, take it patiently when you're suffering for righteousness sake you have some people that maybe will not appreciate you very much that because of the fact of your faith in the Lord because of your maybe we'll say because of your convictions they don't appreciate you that much but you know what doesn't make any difference because that's exactly what we should do is stand and if we suffer with him we shall also be glorified together but if we deny him he will also deny us, but 
he can't forsake us because we're his. But anyhow, I, I think of those things and there's, there's so much more, but I think of the Apostle Paul. He was not an ordinary Christian or an ordinary person like we are. He was caught up into the third heaven. He was on the backside of the desert. But when he got caught up into the third heaven, he said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one, caught up the third into the third heaven, and I knew such man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. But you know, Paul was so, uh, what would you say, invigorated by what all he saw, that the Lord had to give him a thorn in the flesh. Satan had to buffet him. And he goes on to say, he was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for thy, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so he was saying, I would rather have all of these miseries than to be able to walk in all that glory. He needed to be humble. But that trip did something for him. I, how would you like to be caught up in the third heaven? Well, one of these days, maybe not too long, we might be. Amen? Some of us are a little heavier. It'd probably take us a little longer than the others, but who knows? <laughs> I, I, I put myself in that category too, so I'm not judging anybody. But anyway, God is good, isn't He? I told my wife, I said, I don't know how I'm going to get through tonight, but we'll do it one way or another. And the Lord always is good, isn't He? And I let you out early even. I'm good, isn't I? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry about that, but we're fine. I'm going to ask, if we would, for Brother Andrew to go ahead and come.